This episode of Futuropolis is brought to you by Braintree. If you're working on a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. With one simple integration, you can offer your customers every way to pay, period. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com future. Siri, what is love? I'm not going there. What? Come on. Okay, hold on. Let me try. Siri, what is love? I can't answer that. Well, there you go. If Siri can't answer this question, we certainly won't be able to. What we do hope to figure out is how technology is changing love. Or at least the way we find it. In 2014, almost a third of all American couples reported they met online. For same-sex couples, that number is even higher, 67%. Technology has done a lot to change relationships in the 20 years since Match.com first launched, way back in 1995. And this week on Futuropolis, we're exploring how tech will shape the future of love. I'm Brianna Draxler. And I'm Lindsay Cradwell. Prepare to swoon. Internet dating has been around for decades, but some people still think searching for a mate online is a desperate move. 21% of people, according to the Pew Research Center. I did too initially, until I realized how incredibly practical it was, especially compared to hoping I'd run into some love at first sight at the grocery store or the laundromat or a bar. And so how'd that work out for you? Well, I'm engaged to someone I met online, so I'd chalk it up as a success. And there you have it, anecdotal proof that people are looking for... And finding... Love online. And it's not just young people. The internet makes it much easier for anyone to find a significant other. Even if you're, say, a 50-year-old divorcee. And if you're picky, it's even tougher. You know, maybe you want to date somebody who's a Hindi-speaking, vegetarian, mountain-climbing, former Catholic. You will never find that person wandering the street, but you can find them online. That's Michael Rosenfeld. He's a professor of sociology at Stanford University and has been researching how couples meet and stay together in the U.S., As part of that study, Michael looks at how that's changed over time. For instance, in the 1940s, a majority of couples met through family. At the time, people were marrying young, living at home, and working for their parents. So it makes sense that mom or dad would play matchmaker. And in June 1960, popular science suggested that more social contact was leading to earlier marriages. Are we marrying younger? We are indeed. In 1950, the proportion of males 20 to 24 already married was twice that of 1900, and the curve is still rising. The female proportion is even greater. Why? Dr. Paul H. Jacobson, a Metropolitan Life Insurance Company statistician, says, Young people have the time and the means for frequent social contact. Thus, they stand a better chance of meeting a desirable mate. Obviously, things are different today. Now, a lot of that social contact happens through our phones, whether we're sending Snapchats or sharing cat videos. And some more important aspects of our lives, too, like banking, getting directions, ordering takeout. So it's only logical to use the troves of data on the interwebs to find love as well. But will replacing a meet-cute with an online message change the way couples behave? Not according to Jess Carboneau, the sociologist for dating app Tinder. I think that the thing that surprised me most was how much Tinder actually mimics real life and real life interactions and how we evaluate people in real life matches how people evaluate each other on Tinder. The dating site might not change how a first date unfolds, but technology does. 
your smartphone is likely your third wheel, for better or worse. Here's Jess again. People are relying on technology to help mediate their in-person interactions and issues. So I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's online dating at all. I think it's the influence of having cell phones being at dinner tables across America and cell phones being the primary mode by which most people communicate influencing couple interactions rather than online dating itself. More and more, we might be using text to discuss marital problems or maybe even break up. Or technology could help us show our significant other that we're thinking of them. Log into a telepresence robot or send your heartbeat to another person through a wearable device like the Apple Watch. That's all well and good, but what about further in the future? Will all this fundamentally change our relationships? Maybe your match will be determined by whether your microbiomes are in sync or by your genetic compatibility. Or perhaps your augmented reality glasses or implanted computer chip will nag you to go talk to that guy across the bar whose data shows he also loves long walks on the beach. Or maybe we won't need to meet people at all. Could you fall in love with artificial intelligence? It did happen in the movie Her. And Siri's pretty dreamy. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. As technology and apps and websites change and evolve, one thing stays constant. I mean, that's one of the fundamental rules of human life, right? We really like other people, and we want to meet them, and we're interested in them, and if they're good-looking, all the better. True, but we can't help but wonder how that will translate to dating 50 years from now. To get a glimpse, we spoke to Christian Rudder, co-founder of dating site OkCupid and author of Dataclism, who we are when we think no one's looking. We'll hear from him after a word from our sponsor. This episode of Futuropolis is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check it out. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, even futuristic, if you will. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. And Braintree's continuous support, plus fast payouts, means you'll be prepared as your company grows, from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. Check it out for yourself. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want. That means you can accept PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration across all platforms with superior fraud protection, customer service, and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com future. All right, now let's talk to Christian Rudder. My name is Christian Rudder. Um, I am a co-founder of OkCupid, which is a dating site. And I wrote a book called Dataclism about the data from that site and others. So what prompted this idea of OkCupid in the first place? Um, Well, I mean, it's a really old site. It's 2003. So we started it really in the dark ages, you know, pre-social media, you know, pre-smartphones. We started the site mostly as an answer to how we saw other people doing online dating. At the time, there were sort of two different ways. There was Match.com, which was, uh, you know, hey, you guys are both 25 and you both live in Austin, Texas. It's a match. That seemed kind of simple to us, simplistic to us. Um, 
And at the uh, other extreme end, you had eHarmony, which was making its users answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions. Um, and then at the end, it would disqualify some of them from being on eHarmony because they didn't like their answers. Were you in the dating scene at the time and seeing these issues with it? No, uh-uh, no. I mean, I know I was dating the person who's now my wife at the time. We, me and my partners were all math majors, and we saw a way for us to use um, our kind of analytic minds. Um, and there was, a, there was an industry that didn't have much analysis. We got into it ultimately because uh, we thought we could do a better job algorithmically. Have there been things that have really risen to the top of, based on the numbers, this works? What's going to get you dates is is the same thing that's going to get you dates in real life. You know, you are approachable. You respond to people. You have to be kind of proactive. It's such a cliched word, but it's true. You know, you can't passively sit. Even if you're the most beautiful person in the world, you've got to answer people's messages. You know, whoever you are, you should just go into it with the expectation that it's going to be a little brutal, just like any other kind of dating, but that it, if you kind of have a fun and positive mindset, it will pay you back <laughs> for that. Do people act differently online than they do when they're interacting, you know, if it would be meeting somebody at a bar? You know, I don't know. I don't have any data on how people act in real life. You know, I, I've lived a real life, but like I don't see, you know, I've seen literally tens of millions of people interact online. I haven't seen that in, in a quote real life environment. Um, so I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to really compare the two in an accurate way. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, a lot of the same things that people do, there are, uh, that people do online, there are, you know, quote, real life analogies. You know, people exaggerate on the internet generally, but definitely on OkCupid. But they do in real life too, you know, or they, they cut and paste messages on OkCupid to one another. You know, this one message that worked really well for this one girl, hell, I'll just send it to this other one. Um, but, you know, people will tell you the same stories that they just told their previous date or whoever it was that, you know, so it's, it's a lot, you know, especially now with, with phones and with social media and all this stuff, like, um, the online and offline worlds have merged so much that that it's they're just extensions. Online dating is just an extension of a person's dating life. I don't think the online part of it is, is necessarily significant anymore. Do these algorithms know how to put people together better than people do? Uh, I mean, they don't put people together. I just want to make sure that's clear. You know, the, the only thing that brings people together is the people themselves. You know, we just, all these algorithms are just a way to order you know, we have a quarter million New Yorkers on OkCupid. If you go to OkCupid and you live in New York, we can only show you 10 at a time. So we have to pick those 10, right? And the algorithms help us order the huge mass of, of, single, of singledom for any user. Um, but, but you've still got to pick someone from that list or, or pass on the list and pick someone from the next page, you know? Um, and the relationships always happen between the individuals. Um, so there are lots of things that are better about online dating. There's tons more choice. You can do it from the sort of privacy of your own home. Um, it's safer in a lot of ways because you're not like three beers into it, you know, when you're meeting someone for the first time. Um, you're, so, uh, you know, but it also has some disadvantages. It, I think it's, it, it makes dating more of a game in kind of a bad way. Um, and it has that kind of paradox of choice. There's always there's always someone else. So the smallest flaw, you can say, all right, forget this person. I'm not even going to message them because I'll just see who's next. You know. So there's that. It's it's just like anything in life. It's it's both good and bad. Have you found that people know what they actually want? Oh no, no, that that's the worst. Yeah, people are not good predictors of what they actually want. No, not at all. Yeah, they they. Um, 
I lie to themselves isn't really the right word. They just don't understand themselves in the first place. So, um, yeah, we see that all the time. So OkCupid okay, knows them better than they know themselves. <laughs> in a way, yeah. I mean, you know, or people just have have beliefs or in some cases biases that they don't that they're not aware of or that they don't want to own up to. So, you know, for example, like nobody, very few people check a box on OkCupid, hey, I only want to date someone of my own race. Yeah, that's kind of how it plays out in a certain way on the site, Um, uh, just for one example. Do you have sort of a vision of what you think it might look like 10 years from now? (sighs) Man, I don't know. You know, I think the advent of phones, which obviously, you know, smartphones have been around for a while now, but but they they have, um, I feel like just in the last few years, have really sort of taken over the culture. And I think that uh, will enforce big changes. There's harder to type, um, so it's harder both to send messages and to write, say, an essay or whatever about yourself. So that will change the way a dating site works. Um, They're they're more amenable to photos or video. Um, So I think that could result in, you know, better looking people people getting more messages and worse-looking people or less photogenic people getting fewer messages. Um, and okay, people will have to react to that because the dating site has to work for everybody, not just, you know, the beautiful people. So I don't know. You know, I mean, I think, I think for me, the kind of like, I, I get asked the question about the future fairly often. And, you know, I think we're just at, at the cusp of something that's a big change that's just happened. So we're kind of still trying to get a handle on how that's going to work. You know, I think dating will become more based on photos, you know, which will mean less language. That's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge, I think, for dating sites to not just become, you know, basically a hot or not type of, type of very shallow experience. Which on some level isn't that much different than walking in a bar and making the same judgments. No, it's not. It's not. And that's, I think, a thing that's important to understand. Like, all, the, all these dating sites, it's really not any different. The, the fundamental action, operation, whatever you want to call it, is just like dating before there was dating sites. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Some ways, some ways it's easier. Some ways it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but it's, it's, just, it's, it's just an extension of the same kind of everyday dating that people have been doing for decades. It just happens to kind of have this new little interface. But I don't think the material, like romance part of it or sex part of it, is any different than it has ever been. Do you think that will change such such that people will sort of meet people online in places that are not specifically designed to meet single people? That's the thing. Like, it's hard to put you just... just psychologically to put yourself out there and be like, hey, do you want to be friends? Or what, what do you, if you're not sure someone else is there to also meet you, then it just it becomes a lot more risky um, feeling to, 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 you know, imagine seeing someone that looked, who had a cool looking Facebook page that you had no connection to. And then sending them a message saying, hey, man, you want to hang out? Or like, hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee? It would just be weird. They would think you're a scammer, you know? So just the world in general is not amenable to to strangers meeting. Um, that's why there's bars. <laughs> that's why there's single bars, you know. Like that's that's kind of people have created other venues for, for people to meet each other. Um, and online dating is kind of the newest one. I mean, I live in New York City. I'm looking out my window. There's tons of strangers out there. But, I mean, most of them would not even know what to do if I came up and just started talking to them. Nor would I want to do it. I would, take, do it. I would have to screw up the courage. So... But, you know, on a dating site, everybody's there, in theory, to hear from you, you know? So it's easy. If you were to sort of imagine a future and everybody is online dating now, what do you think that would look like? 
Well, that is kind of, I mean, that is how it is. For people like under 30, for people who are like really in the wheelhouse of like singledom, they, they almost are all online dating. Already a third of all marriages in, uh, you know, start online. Um, that number is surely, that was from 2014 from like a Pew survey. The number's got to be way higher now. And, you know, marriages take time. So, so you know, imagine what it's going to be like in three years when the relationships that are starting right now maybe are starting to become marriages. Did you anticipate that kind of ubiquity? Was that expected when you started out? No, it wasn't. No, I mean, that was obviously, I think the culture has evolved a lot. Um, I think, honestly, I think the best thing to ever happen to online dating was Facebook because, you know, once people realized that, hey, you know, I could keep up with my old classmates and my grandparents and whatever, my old best friends through the Internet, um, Ah, I could also maybe meet a new best friend or a new, you know, whatever, romantic partner through the Internet. And so it just made it so much easier. It just, it made, it definitely, it made the Internet, uh, it made clear that the Internet is, is can be used socially, you know, and without having a lot of stigma attached to that. So were there other aspects of this whole emerging world of online dating that you found really surprising once you start started digging into the numbers? No matter where you look, I'm always surprised at how judgmental people actually are. You know, um, it's just I think that's that kind of paradox of choice, whether it's like what kind of like romantic choice or any other kind of choice. I think the Internet has has just made people, ideas, all kinds of different things more disposable, um, which I think is, you know, unfortunate. But it's also brought a lot more ideas to, to, to people's notice, but certainly, you know, or an online dating site brings a lot more people to an individual's notice. So it kind of balances it out, I guess. You, like, are interested in a smaller fraction of a lot, much larger number. Um, so, but it, I was just surprised at how small that fraction was. Do you still have faith in humanity that people are good? Uh, you know, hard to say. It definitely makes you cynical, you know, seeing, seeing, uh, seeing all this stuff, you know, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not like, I mean, you know, I haven't been reading the newspaper since I was, like, eight years old or whatever. So you can do that for a long time and start to get pretty cynical, too. You know, okay, Cupid has created, I don't know, probably getting up on a half a million marriages at this point, you know. And that's, like, a lot of happiness that, that the Internet and this one site even has created. And that feels really good. Yeah, I bet. It'll be exciting to see 20 years from now how many marriages it is that you can chalk up Sure. To, yeah, to who knows? Who knows? Well, great. Thank you so much for speaking with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again to our guest, Christian Rudder, whose book, Dataclism, just came out in paperback. Can you introduce yourself to us? Sure. I'm Rodney Gradwell. And you are my father. And I am your father, yes. I'm 56 at the moment. I've used a variety um, I've used Match.com, which I think might have been the first one that I used. And when did you use Match.com for the first time? Well, that was probably 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. Okay. And what, what are the other ones? Uh, I've also used eHarmony, and I've used Plenty of Fish, and I even did Tinder for a short period. Um, what was Tinder like? Uh, Tinder, in my experience, was like a pickup bar or something to that effect. Yeah. So was that experience weirder than using um, the websites? 
I found it that way, yes. It was, uh, you know, the swipe to get rid of people was sort of a strange concept for me. Did you feel guilty for swiping left? Yeah. <laughs> somehow. <clears throat> Just didn't seem, didn't seem right somehow. Yeah. It was kind of your in Tinder, you're presented with people, and every time you swipe, you get another person. And the other online, you know, systems, it's more you don't have to say yes or no to people. And so, the, you know, the concept of having to say yes or no to see the next profile is kind of a, a different concept. And is there anything, like, personality-wise that you highlight in your profile? Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the challenges for me. I'm sort of an introvert and don't like to have to, you know, having to present myself is a challenging thing to do. Yeah, so do you think that it's, that's a hard part of online dating is that you have to create sort of this outward personality um, that would be more obvious if someone met you and you wouldn't have to say it outright? Correct, yes. That's definitely true. Have you gone on any terrible dates from online dating? Nothing terrible. You know, I've, I either have been lucky or have got uh, sufficiently skilled at reading profiles that I was never... You know, I never had a first date that was like, oh, my God, how did this possibly happen? You know, they've always been, you know, yeah, this is kind of the person that I expected, but there are certain things that, you know, I could tell right away that this person was not going to be a match for me and, and you know, still had a pleasant conversation and, you know, nice to meet you. We really didn't hit it off. So, you know, good luck. But never, never really had any disasters. Do you think that online dating for either you personally or for people your age is better than trying to meet people in person? Is it more efficient or anything like that? The traditional locations for meeting people tend to be, at least for my age, the grocery store or, you know, the library or, you know, the, the places that you you venture out a lot to, as a single person don't necessarily always end up being conducive to meeting other single people. And so the online dating area lets you, you know, for one, uh, start with a group of people that are trying to date, which is always a, a, a bonus compared to going through the grocery, grocery store and trying to decide if the people that you're seeing are interested in dating. If you know what I mean. Um, yeah, in the, in the chips line or yeah. the chips aisle. In previous land. Well, thanks, Ed. Cool. Sure, no problem. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of Futuropolis. If you want more, you can find us at popsci.com or on Twitter at popsci. Futuropolis is part of the Panoply Network. Check out the entire roster of podcasts at itunes.com slash panoply. We'd like to thank Henry Malofsky, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And a big thanks to Sophie Bushwick, the voice of our archives. I'm Brianna Draxler. And I'm Lindsay Cradwell. Thanks for listening. See you next time in the future. Siri, what is love? As I understand it, love refers to a deep, tender, ineffable feeling of affection and solicitude, 